If it's, <clears throat> excuse me, if it's convenient for you, would you stand for the reading of the word? We'll have two readings. The first is from Acts 16, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 5. The second will be from 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 7. Paul went on to Derbe and to Lystra, where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and had him circumcised because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went from town to town, they delivered to them for, the, for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in numbers. And then 2 Timothy 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and love and of self-discipline. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. <clears throat> Continuing in the series that Charlie's been preaching from, titled 11, Indispensable Relationships You Can't Be Without, Timothy is the one that we're looking at today, and the question is, who's your Timothy? We all need a protege. I selected these two passages among many that could have been chosen in order to think about Timothy and Paul's ministry with Timothy and what a difference that that made in his life. As I was reading that, I couldn't help but think back to a story a friend of mine had told me a number of years ago. When he was in the sixth grade, he would sell donuts on Saturday morning, and he made his way to the General Mills plant where flour was manufactured in Wichita Falls. He made his way in through the gate and into the floor, and one of the managers came out and started chewing him out. How in the world did you get in here? You're not supposed to be in here, kid. Well, Mike evidently talked his way out of it because the guy bought some donuts. 
So Mike went back week after week, and he would occasionally encounter this man. And finally, the man said, I have a son who's just a little bit younger than you. Would you mind coming home with me on a weekend and playing with him? Mike's mother wasn't sure about it, but she said, sure, okay. And he got in the car and went and spent the weekend with him. And this happened two or three more times. And then finally, the man said, I would like for you to move in with us. Mike's mother was really not sure about that, but she let him go. And I think part of the reason is because just a year or two earlier, Mike's mother and father had divorced. He had been sent to Tennessee to live with grandparents, and he said, we were nothing but a bunch of hillbillies, and this was the early 1960s. He said, but we were upscale. We had at least a faucet on the back porch. Now, the outhouse was still way out back. But then he comes back to Wichita Falls to running water, and his mother is having trouble making ends meet. So he goes to live with his family. And then that falls apart because the man gets laid off and has to start looking for another job, and he said he could not afford for Mike to live there. Mike moved back home, but the equivalent of what we call CPS came and took him and his sisters. And they took custody of him as his mom and dad fought out a custody battle. His mom finally won, and after seven months of living in a foster group home, Mike was able to move back in with his mother, but that was not going well at all. Finally, she remarried another man, and Mike said he was very good to me. But he was at Shepherd Air Force Base, was part Chinese, and for some reason the Air Force decided to send him to Taipei, Taiwan. Mike checked things out because he was planning to go to college. When he went to Shepherd Air Force Base to talk to guidance counselors, they told him that when you get back from Taiwan, you will probably be one to two years behind in your academic studies. So in the eighth grade, Mike said to his mother, I'm not going. And believe it or not, she accepted it. I know what would have happened in our house if I'd said, I'm not going. And I know what would have happened in my house if my daughters had said, I'm not going. But Mike's mother, I think, thought that something better could happen for him if he stayed behind. So they sent him to San Diego to live with an uncle. That uncle had six children, like a two-bedroom house. It was not a good situation. And after that academic year of the eighth grade, Mike decided to move back to Wichita Falls. He wrote a letter to the man who had helped him before. He had the job. He said, come back. Well, this man gets laid off again, so they moved to Graham, Texas, where he has a job. That one didn't work out either. So Mike had been bouncing around from place to place to place. This man was not a Paul for Mike at all. In fact, he was an agnostic, and when Mike became interested in Christianity, he was very angry that Mike would even talk to anybody about Christianity. All right, I want to put Mike's story on pause for just a moment. And let's move to the story of Timothy. In Acts 16, 1 through 5, Paul goes back to this little town of Lystra. 
He had been there a year or two before, and you might remember that things didn't go well. The Jews from Antioch and Iconium had stirred things up in Lystra. Paul got stoned. No, Paul didn't get stoned. They stoned Paul. That was funny. No, it wasn't, was it? I thought about my English grammar, and I saw a couple of teachers out there, and I said, I need to rephrase that. But Paul was in Lystra, and he now wants to take Timothy on a trip. And I'm sure he says to Timothy's mother, Eunice, you remember me? I'm that guy they stoned a year or two ago, and I want to take him to who knows where. And she says, yes. And Timothy goes with Paul, and this is in that section following this uh, passage that I just read, that Paul and Silas and Timothy are wandering through northern Turkey, and a door does not open for them, and it's confusing for them. But I expect that every step along the way, Paul was discipling Timothy. I think he was loving Timothy. He was teaching Timothy, he was training Timothy, he was empowering Timothy, equipping Timothy. He was sending Timothy out later on missions by himself because he had grown in the Lord. And then ultimately, that passage I read from 2 Timothy, at the end of 2 Timothy, Paul thinks his end is near, and he says, Timothy, come to me quickly. I need your presence. So Timothy had grown from a child, a protege, looking at Paul, to one who was a partner with Paul. And what Paul taught him through those years was to be conformed to the image of Christ. And what Paul had had to learn himself was that suffering can come with that. I don't know about you, but I was very touched by Joel's report this morning in the prayer. We know by name some of the people in Russia experiencing that. We see the side in Ukraine experiencing that. We should not be surprised as Christians when suffering does come our way. And Paul was saying to Timothy and to his mother and to his grandmother, This is going to be a costly trip, but they agreed that it was worth the cost, and Timothy went with Paul. So I come back to Mike's story. By Mike's senior year of high school, his parents were still in Taipei. He could no longer live with the family who had been hosting him. He got a job and rented an apartment, planning to live there. But he had a friend that he had played basketball with and attended church with a little bit, who talked to his parents and said, look, I'm going away to college. We've got an extra bedroom. Could Mike live with you this one year? Mike said the parents invited him over and basically did an interview. And they said, yes, Mike can live with us for this year. He went on through the year, started going to church. The man was a Baptist. The woman was a Church of Christ. Mike started dating a girl from the Church of Christ, so you know where that story ends. Mike stayed there. 
He was not a Christian. In fact, when he had lived with his parent, grandparents in Tennessee, he had gone to a church, um, not for sure what kind, but they had one of those come to Jesus sermons and raise your hand if you want to invite Jesus into your heart. Mike said, I saw a lot of hands going up, so I put my hand up. And he said, then when it was over, a bunch of deacons got around me and scared me to death. And then he said, I didn't go back to church. But by the 11th grade year and 12th grade year, when he's interested in this girl, he starts going to church. And he's hearing the gospel, and he's having questions. Mike was a very bright young man. So he started talking to the preacher and raising these questions. And finally, he gets down to the point that he raises that one that so many ask. Okay, if God was in the beginning, who made God? And I think the preacher had an excellent response for him. Because he said to Mike, Mike, you're trying to get by on your intelligence. He wasn't putting down intelligence. But he was saying to Mike, Mike, you will never get all the answers figured out. And if you try to get there, you'll wind up an agnostic rather than a believer. And Mike said, I had to come to the point that I started making a decision about whether I could have faith or not. He'd been wrestling with that. One Saturday morning, he decided to drive by the church building to see if the preacher was there, and lo and behold, he was. So he goes in, and after that conversation, Mike says, I want to confess my faith in Christ. I want to be baptized. The preacher said, would you like some people here? And Mike said, sure. And Mike grew up in a town like I grew up in. We had a main drag, and everybody drug main is what we called it, driving back and forth. Mike said within 15 minutes, we had 15 people at the church building to witness his baptism. Where the story goes from there is that on his first date in his senior year with his girlfriend, the man called Mike into the living room and said, I know you're about to go out on a date. He said, you don't have our last name, but you are part of our family. And I want you to understand that because our family has a good reputation and a good name in this community. And we consider you our family. So when you go out tonight, I want you to be good. Mike said nobody had ever said anything like that to me. And he said it made an impression on me, a big impression on me, that what I do matters. And ultimately that helped him when he made his decision to become a Christian. After that, Mike went to the University of Texas at Arlington, played basketball on a scholarship, got an engineering degree, I believe it was electrical engineering. Went to work for Texas Utilities, rose through the system to where when he retired, he was the chief operating officer of one of the subsidiaries alongside Texas Utilities. But one of the things that impresses me most about Mike is that he's been an elder in the church for 30 years now. One of the most quiet, unassuming men I've ever known. Brilliant, but doesn't want anybody to know it. Deep heart, open hands. He served on several boards, but the ones that he loves the most are those that help children in need. He's given a lot of money there. 
Although Mike didn't have a Paul per se until the preacher came along, there were different people who had a place in his life along the way that made all the difference in the world. By all the statistics, Mike should have fallen through the cracks. But there were enough Christians around the agnostics that kept encouraging him and helping him. And there was something in his heart and in his intelligence that caused him to respond. Paul took Timothy, and he trained him, he taught him, he encouraged him, and yes, he even challenged him. When we read in 1 Timothy, I think it's verse 3, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, remain in Ephesus. I had a Greek teacher that said this really should be translated this way. Timothy, you stay in Ephesus like I told you to do. Timothy was wanting to bail out. It was tough. And in fact, in 2 Timothy, it appears that Paul's concerned about Timothy's faith and his spirituality because he says, rekindle that flame. So not only did Paul teach and train, he would challenge and he would correct but what touches me most is that when it came to the end of Timothy's li- or Paul's life, he wanted Timothy there at his side. They had gone from protege, mentor, to brother, to co-worker. And Paul was passing the torch to Timothy when he knew that his days were over. So some questions for us today. Paul was forward-thinking. The sermon title suggests that we may need to be asking, who's my Timothy? That's, who's your Timothy? And what is interesting about helping people grow is that a lot of times it's not this big thing. It's just someone that comes into a life at one point, and then they're gone. But they make a difference at that point. Some of you are parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles. There are children in your life that you have the opportunity to touch. But as Lane Lane and I look back on raising our children, there were people in our church, every place we were, that took our children under their wing and treated them like grandchildren. I see that happening here. I look at the work in the children's ministry, and those of you who teach there have those children for just a few years, and I don't think you know the impact that you can have. And the same thing in the youth ministry, and especially through the summit groups, that a couple will work with a group as they move through high school, assisting the parents to nurture them in the faith and how important that is. And to the elders, the shepherds among us, be forward-thinking. Who's going to be those that you pass the torch to? Are you already looking for those who will be next in line and seeing that they are being taught, trained, equipped, and empowered and challenged and corrected? And for those of you who are mentoring at McBee and those who are doing the spark groups and the tutor who is there, 
We just keep hearing the stories of the difference that it's making in those children's lives. Sometimes you can't see it, but the teachers do. And I hope to be able to share a video that James uh, took recently of Amber Weed telling the story that she heard about her mentee from last year. And I hope that'll come out in a bulletin article in a couple of weeks, so be looking for that. There's another way that I think about, and I know some of you here are Colson Fellows. If you're a Colson Fellow, would you raise your hand? Weeda, Woody, Mel. The Colson program is to teach Christians how to live in a culture that is non-Christian, and it's a very intense program. But coming out of that, those who have been equipped and trained there have a great gift and ability to mentor and to guide and to help others into deeper faith. So you could talk to the three of them and see how you might be involved in that if you would choose to be. But look for those simple ways that we can give a word of encouragement, a word of hope, and even a word of correction when necessary to help someone grow in the faith. And my friend Mike is a testimony that it does make a difference. And thanks be to God through Jesus Christ that God can transform lives. If there's anybody here who has heard this message today and want to make some type of response to the Lord, Charlie's going to be down at the front to receive you and he will assist you and I promise you he's kind and careful. So let's stand for this song and if you need to come forward, Charlie will be here to assist you.